joining us on After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, Pandora, or head on over to AmericaOutloud.com and click the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. And while you're there, please check out the articles and podcasts, which are updated daily, and please share those on social media. We face the same social media censorship that many of you do. So we do appreciate it when you share, you really know how uh, they can really hold you down with those algorithms on Twitter and Facebook. Twitter is getting a little better with Elon Musk, but there's still some um, bad things going on around there. I think some things that he still needs to clean up, but that's not what we're here to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about President Trump once again tonight, and we're going to discuss him being arrested and pending from what we see. And the entire country is outraged about this. I mean, it's an absolute miscarriage of justice that this is happening. Uh, President Trump is once again being the victim of a witch hunt from the fake news media. And that's who we're going to bring on tonight is attorney Daniel Street, who's the author of Fake News Exposed About Trump. We're hoping that he can break this down for some of us and try and make some of it make sense. And uh, I'm excited for the show tonight. But before we get to Randy, how are you doing tonight, Rob? Andrew, I'm doing great. And as you said, everyone is waiting with bated breath as to what the next steps will be, what will happen. Will Trump be indicted? How is he going to be indicted? Why are they going to take him in? I got to say about the prosecutor or the DA, district attorney, Alvin Bragg, he has finally found a crime that he wants to prosecute, albeit it would be a misdemeanor going back years ago. So the statute of limitation has just like X'd it out. But this George Soros funded DA, like so many other DAs in these big woke cities, New Orleans, San Francisco, Los Angeles, Atlanta, Philadelphia, They're doing the bidding for George Soros by not prosecuting actual crimes. If you look at all of the, if you look at the crime in all of these cities, oh, I got to throw in uh, where Kim Fox is from, Chicago. But look at these cities and look at the level of crime that has just like exploded exponentially. But for some reason, these DAs, they don't want to prosecute those crimes. And if they do prosecute, or have the criminals arrested, the criminals are back on the streets. And they will tell you when they're arrested, oh, don't worry, I'll be back on the streets. And sure enough, they're back on the streets. And when you look look a little closer, you're like, but why is this happening? Who's impacted by this? Because George Soros' idea was to go in and revamp the criminal justice system because Blacks were constantly being treated unfairly. But a closer observation, and you'll see that a majority of the crimes are being committed, unfortunately, by Blacks who only make up 13% of the population. So to me, being a Black man, I find that very offensive, that our justice system feels that Blacks can't obey the law. They're too stupid. They're too dumb. So we've got to lower the bar. Now, talk about racism. But no one seems to care about that. It's certainly not Alvin Bragg. 
Because when you look at New York City, the crime has just like exploded. Every day someone is being killed. Every day someone is being attacked. And he's looking the other way. He's busy trying to go after Donald Trump. And you guys have got to remember, because during his campaign for the office, during the election, he said that if elected, he was going to go after Trump. Letitia James, the state attorney general, said the exact same thing. And she's a black woman. Said the exact same thing. All of these people are after Donald Trump, one man whose whole mission is to make America great again. They want to go after him because they don't want him to make America great again. They want to tear America down. They want to just obliterate our legal system and everything. They want you to hate our institutions that we have held so sacred. Meanwhile, China and Russia, they're forming an alliance, an alliance. And the media is telling us, oh, don't pay any attention to them. Oh, they're not going to do that. See, that's what happened with World War II. Don't look at them, but they're not doing anything. China's not going to do anything. Well, of course, Biden doesn't want the focus to be on China, because if the focus is on China, we'll see all the millions of dollars that his family is getting from China. See, that's what you call white privilege, black people. You're basically talking about this other white privilege when you have it right in your very face. You see it. If Hunter Biden were a black man, he'd be in jail. But see, that's white privilege that they're saying, oh, look the other way. So they don't want you to focus on that. They don't want you to focus on the millions of dollars that the Biden family cabal has gotten. Did you guys know that China and Russia, they're going to do their own currency along with Africa and India? They're going to X out the dollar. They're going to move us out. And then they will tell all these other countries that China has gone and set up shop. If you don't do business with us, if you don't do it our way, it's the highway. And you have to do it our way because we funded a lot of your infrastructure. And these people here in the States are saying, don't worry about that. we got to focus on Trump. we got to stump Trump. Because if we don't stop Trump, Trump might get into office and he might put the kibosh on Russia and China. So here we are, waiting. Are they going to cuff Trump? As I said the other night, if they were to do that, Trump would probably enjoy it. Because he knew it would put his name back out there. So don't you guys allow the media to fix to trick you to going out and protesting and acting out and to get thrown into jail, as I said the other night. Don't do it. But here we are. So as Andrew said, we have on tonight an attorney who's going to help unpack all of this craziness, what's going on. He's going to discuss the law and tell you what, we, what, can, what should happen, rather, and what shouldn't happen. Randy, how are you tonight? Oh, doing great, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Well, Randy, I'm glad that you were able to come on tonight. I reached out to you with just such short notice because things started moving so quickly, and you readily agreed to come on and explain the legalese part of this to our listeners. Not that they don't understand it, but it's always good to have someone who's familiar with the law so that they won't think that Andrew and I, I mean, we're not attorneys, we don't play one on the show, but we don't. We want to have the basics broken down as to what we're seeing here, what this district, this radical district of attorney is doing, other than trying to hopscotch his way to the governorship in New York City. But so explain this to our, our, our listeners as to what exactly is happening. The first question is, it's our understanding, and I know you don't practice law in New York City, you're in Louisiana, it's our understanding that this charge that is past the the statutory, the time that you could bring it forth, it has expired, but yet and still Alvin Bragg is trying to hold on to this and turn a nothing 
into a something. How how is that? Good question. What what this really breaks down to this this all stems from the uh, investigations into Donald Trump's former uh, attorney Michael Cohen, and Michael Cohen had a number of different federal charges that he pleaded guilty to back in 2018. A couple of them stemmed from payments or from a payment that he had made using some uh, businesses that he had set up, some shell companies that he had set up to uh, make a payment to Stormy Daniels in order, which, which I think it fairly, could fairly be characterized as extortion, really. Stormy Daniels went out trying to peddle the story that she had had an affair with uh, President Trump back in 2006. And uh, if I recall correctly, it was someone at the National Enquirer got wind of this and notified Michael Cohen. Michael Cohen worked out this agreement and bought the story, essentially, and uh, for $130,000. And Stormy Daniels signed a non-disclosure agreement. <clears throat> Fast forward, that was in October of 2016. A year or so later, Michael Cohen is the subject of a federal investigation. He ultimately pleads guilty to some tax evasion. Counts one through five of the indictment were tax evasion and a uh, false making false statements to a financial institution in, in connection with a credit application. And then two charges pertaining to this payment. One is an unlawful corporate contribution and then another charge that he pleaded guilty to to making an excessive campaign contribution. So that's the genesis of it. Um, <clears throat> the current, and, and some of this is supposition, frankly, because we won't know exactly if an indictment is passed until we see it. And, uh, you know, but we know from a couple of the attorneys who were working in the prior district attorney's administration, that was Cyrus Vance, uh, a couple of those attorneys resigned whenever Vance elected not to prosecute uh, or not to seek an indictment of Donald Trump. And one of those attorneys wrote a book, uh, if you can believe that, about an ongoing investigation that a person has not been charged yet. That's, uh, I believe his name is Mike Pomerantz. And he kind of outlined in, in uh, broad terms what they were looking at. So what they're really trying to do here, what we believe they're trying to do is the Trump organization ultimately reimbursed Michael Cohen for the $130,000 uh, that he that he had paid to Stormy Daniels. And that was done through a, what we believe was a series of payments that were represented on financial documents to be payments for legal services in connection with a retainer agreement. And there's a section of the New York State Penal Code, Section 175, that makes it illegal to falsify financial records for the purposes of fraud. All right. So <clears throat> their first contention, we believe, is, hey, they, they've marked this as legal services, and it's not really legal services that uh, Cohen's being reimbursed for this hush money payment. Um, that's number one. But even if that were true, even if the financial, uh, the, the documentation was incorrectly labeled for the purposes of fraud. In other words, what were really political payments or 
are being mischaracterized as legal services, that's only a misdemeanor. So that's got a two-year statute of limitations, which, Rob, you were talking about the length of time within which the claim, or in this case, the charges must be brought. That's called the statute of limitations. So to get, we're way beyond two years. So they need to make a felony out of it. So to make it a felony, a class E felony under the New York Penal Code, what they have to do is further demonstrate that not only were was there a falsification of the financial records, financial records for purposes of fraud, but it was in furtherance of some other crime. And the other crime, uh, we believe what the claim is going to be, is that the other crime is the $130,000 payment to Stormy Daniels was really a campaign expenditure that's been, instead of being paid by the campaign, was unlawfully paid by a surrogate. Uh, that would actually be a potentially a violation of federal campaign finance law. So what they're, and, and even then, here's the, the other difficult part, that only gets uh, the government, the New York uh, prosecutor to a five-year statute of limitations, which were really beyond that. So the only uh, prevailing idea that people have that that would allow any of the, the uh, charges to be timely is the belief that the retainer agreement payments that were allegedly mischaracterized would have to have carried over significantly into 2018, in which case we might be within five years of uh, the last payment. So then they'd have to prove an ongoing conspiracy and a scheme. Um, and all of that would be based on whether or not, of course, there was a falsification of the financial records, number one, and number two, whether there would be a violation of federal campaign finance law. It's important to note that the initial investigation of President, I mean, I'm sorry, the, the initial investigation of Michael Cohen was conducted by the uh, U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, which has been very aggressively investigating President Trump for a number of years. And they did not make any effort to bring uh, campaign finance charges against Trump or the campaign. So I can talk about that some more in a little bit, but that's basically what we believe is going on. And it's uh, uh, to the best I could describe it. It's incredibly thin and uh, probably a more apt characterization is just, uh, you know, inappropriate. Incredibly thin, inappropriate. And it seems mm -hmm. to me this is what Hillary Clinton did was she tried to cover up her funding of the fake dossier and she put it on her tax returns and she didn't claim it the right way. But is she in jail? Is anyone going after her? Absolutely not. But with Donald Trump, they want to go after him. They want to go back, like you said, the statute of limitations has passed, but they now want to bring it forward and still try to hold on to this. And even with that, Randy, I'm told mm -hmm. that this would only be considered a misdemeanor, pay the fine, and you move on. But for these woke individuals with Trump derangement syndrome, with Alvin Bragg, who's now mysteriously found a crime that he wants to prosecute – so that he can hopscotch his way to the governor's mansion, so that he can make all of the lefties happy, he's going to make this a major crime, try to make it a felony. And do not doubt me when I say this, even if they indict Trump and he knows that, okay, this case might get thrown out, the fact that they're able to cuff Trump, perp walk him and get a mugshot, that's what a lot of them want. I had an associate of mine to contact me and indirectly refer to it 
that she had to do something downtown Manhattan, but she couldn't do it because Trump is going to be arrested. I'm like, I'm not going to take the bait. I'm not going to get into an argument with someone who doesn't have a, an inkling as to what's actually happening here. We're Americans, and we see that our justice system is being weaponized against another political person's opponent. And everyone thinks that is okay. I mean, how, how did we get here, Randy? How do you think people... I mean, this is the greatest country in the world. And we talk about the kangaroo courts and justice systems and other places like Russia and we're in Libya, and we're about to turn our justice system upside down to go after a political opponent of the Democrats. How can that be? Why aren't people outraged? I don't care if you hate Trump or love Trump. But the fact that our justice system is even considering, contemplating doing this, knowing that it could happen to any of us, as was the case with the FBI and the Department of Justice working together to go after parents because they didn't like what was being taught in school. And now this is full circle right up in our faces. And Randy, it doesn't seem as if though people are even concerned. What do you say? Well, First, I will say there, there's a lot of concern about this. Um, I've I've fielded a lot of phone calls, emails, and uh, friends stopping me when they see me and, and want to know you know the ins and outs and and what's going on. And um, so I think there are a lot of people that are concerned about it. There are a lot of people, frankly, who are irate about it. And and if uh, President Trump were to be as you described, Rob perp walked. Uh, there's going to be a lot more people irate about it. And I think part of what what's really disturbing about these particular charges that we're talking about in New York City, potential charges in New York City, is this is a district attorney. This is uh, this is a county, you know, a, a municipal employee or representative who's talking about charging uh, President Trump. I mean, it's to me, it's just absolutely ludicrous. And I think you, you touched on briefly that the Attorney General of New York, uh, Miss James, uh, she had run uh, in her last, in her first, uh, for her first term, going all over the state of New York, saying she's going to get Donald Trump, and she spent the, the that term trying to get Donald Trump, and was unable to do it, and obviously. The attorney general could have brought these charges had uh, had she been able to prove them up. So, I think what we have here is uh, really a miscarriage of justice. Frankly, that we're even having that we, this conversation is necessary. These are charges that are not proper, in my view, for a local prosecutor. Uh, and not to mention the fact to to try to bootstrap a felony, they're having to bootstrap onto a violation of federal law that was not charged by federal prosecutors. And the reason for that is because they couldn't prove a crime. And uh, and we know that because the Southern District of New York, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Southern District of New York would have charged President Trump if they had an inkling that they could get a conviction. Um, and, and a lot of that has to do really with the nature of federal ca campaign finance law. So uh, this is this is why it's really ludicrous what the uh, DA in Manhattan is trying to do because the way federal campaign finance law is written, 
Campaign expenditures are supposed to be made through campaign funds. Personal expenditures are supposed to be made through personal funds. The former chairman of the Federal Election Commission, Bradley Smith, wrote an op-ed piece in the Washington Post back in 2018 outlining how this is kind of a trick bag for uh, candidates for federal office because if the if you could char- characterize the payment to Stormy Daniels as a campaign expenditure, then it's supposed to be through campaign funds or funded through campaign funds. Well, you could potentially characterize that such a payment if as a campaign expenditure, if you said the, the purpose of it was for the campaign. But on the other hand, uh, if it's a personal fund, if it's a personal use, then it's illegal to use campaign funds. So if President Trump were to make a payment to someone like Stormy Daniels in order to um, you know, keep his reputation from being sullied or keep his wife from finding out about something, well, then that's personal use and you could be charged for that. So the former chairman of the Federal Election Commission said, look, we're in a situation here where you really could come in and, and take any kind of payment like this and argue either way, no matter whether the campaign uses campaign funds or personal funds, you could argue a violation of federal law just on how you characterize the purpose for the payment to start with. And uh, and so that's kind of the trick bag that that President Trump was in. And but ultimately, those charges weren't brought for the simple reason that it would be incredibly difficult to prove a violation of the law. Yeah, well said. Any other politician in America, this would be nothing. I mean, you would never even hear about it. Here that is another witch hunt against President Trump. We're going to continue to discuss this. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m. Central, or 7 p.m. on the West Coast. We'll be back with more After Dark with Robin and Andrew and attorney Randy Street. We wouldn't go a day without washing our hands, brushing our teeth, and washing our nose. Well, wait, we wash our nose? Yes, the number one place where bacteria, viruses, and pollen enter the body is through the nose. So the average person breathes over 23,000 times a day. That's 23,000 opportunities for bacteria, viruses, and irritants to get into your nose and make you sick. For an extra layer of protection, wash your nose with Clear. That is Clear, X-L-E-A-R. Clear's drug-free nasal spray features xylitol, an ingredient proven to block adhesion of many nasty bacteria and viruses, and effectively clean, not just rinse like a saline, but wash your nose. Clear nasal spray quickly alleviates congestion, opens your airway, and ensures your body's natural defenses are strong. Read the research studies for yourself at clear.com. That's X-L-E-A-R.com. Protect yourself from the pathogens and junk you breathe. Pick up a bottle for you and your family today. We know you love the versatility and portability of the Genesis Fogger, but sometimes you just want to set it and forget it. Well, we heard you. Introducing the UX4 HOCL Atomizer. This stationary unit quietly protects you and is perfect for smaller spaces. With over a quarter million units sold in Japan, it's now available in the United States. Visit genesisfogger.com forward slash out loud to see the UX4 in action and receive a 15% discount on either Falker with promo code OUTLOUD. With Genesis, you're ready for anything. And we are back with attorney Randy Street, and he just broke down the entire case, or what Alvin Bragg is trying to 
bring against Donald Trump. And as I said, this is just him trying to hopscotch to the governor's mansion and at the same time appease the lefties. They don't have anything else to run on. And I've been hearing so many stories that if this happens, it's going to damage Trump because Biden will be able to say, well, he's not going to want to uh, debate someone who's uh, been indicted, someone who has a possible criminal record. Biden is going to try to avoid debating Donald Trump or whoever the Democratic nominee is regardless. He's going to try to do that. And the media is going to help him. And I would say to Republicans, you guys need to get out there and just talk about Biden's record. And if nothing else, just say this man is old as Methuselah. He doesn't know if he's going or coming. I mean, he's sitting in the White House completely confused, dazed, get his words all mixed up. The country is in a crisis. We have banks that are failing. We have inflation. And we're in the middle of a recession, whether they want to say it or not, because I know they've gone in and redefined what a recession is just to help him out. We have China and Russia on the move. We have so many things that are going place that we need someone to focus their attention on. But instead, the Democrat cabal is trying to stop Trump. Now, let's say that this case doesn't move forward. D.A. Bragg isn't successful because, as you said, uh, Randy, we know that Michael Cohen's own attorney went in and spoke before the grand jury. I think it was Robert Costello. And he said, this guy made all this up. He's lying. And we're just learning. A report came out last night that Cohen sent an email out saying that Trump had nothing to do with this. So how is it that D.A. Bragg is going to bring – forget to put all this here before the grand jury – and just say, oh, no, no, don't look at that. Don't pay any attention to that. Listen to what I'm saying, what I've made up. Robert Costello also said that when he went to the grand jury, that D.A. Bragg wasn't even interested in the facts of what he had to say. That Bragg had selected six emails that he had presented to the grand jury. Whereas Costello came in with all the emails and said, look, you guys need to consider all this. You need to look at this when you're forming an opinion. Now, Randy, could you help our audience understand the function of a grand jury? I myself have served on a grand jury, and it's very eye-opening because you have yeah. people who are there who are just – some of them, they don't want to be there, and some of them, already they're already there with an opinion because they want things to wrap up. And I can only imagine the grand jury that have been seated for Trump. So could you explain that to our listeners, please? Sure. Well – the important part to remember about a grand jury is a grand jury is put together by the prosecuting authority. In this case, would you know be the Manhattan uh, DA's office is going to be in charge, and they're going to be in charge of all of the evidence presented to the grand jury. So only the government presents evidence to the grand jury. Only the government has the right to present witnesses and to ask questions of the grand jury, and. Uh, there's really honestly no obligation on the part of the prosecuting authorities to present exculpatory evidence to the grand jury. So they literally get to exculpatory evidence being evidence that tends to show someone that is the subject of an investigation is not guilty. So they're not obligated to present exculpatory evidence or evidence of someone's innocence to the grand jury. So uh, the prosecutors can literally stack the grand jury with 
and here where the grand jury only hears from the, the witnesses that the prosecutors want. They only get the questions that the prosecutors want and uh, they only present the evidence the prosecutors want. Now, that's your standard grand jury. Now, the state of New York, where this grand jury, this is a state grand jury in New York. Uh, they have a statute in New York that allows a target of a grand jury investigation to request <clears throat> to the grand jury uh, uh, the opportunity to present uh, testimony. And that's how Bob Costello, who, Rob, you were talking about the former attorney for Michael Cohen, uh, was able to testify before the grand jury. The The law in, in New York requires that the grand jury itself vote on whether they want to hear that te testimony or not. So it's up to the grand jury as to whether they hear the testimony. But that's what happened. Um, uh, Trump's attorneys wrote to the grand jury and requested the opportunity to present this testimony, and the grand jury elected to hear it. Now, the interesting part that about that is uh, one of the interesting parts is Bob Costello was actually previously an attorney for Michael Cohen. So ordinarily, his communications with Michael Cohen would have been the subject of attorney-client privilege. But a couple of years ago, or several years ago, Michael Cohen had waived his attorney-client privilege uh, with Bob Costello, which freed Bob Costello to disclose all of his communications. So uh, while it's, it's good media fodder to say, hey, the... Uh, the district attorney there was hiding this evidence from the grand jury. And it, and it seems like it, that should not be the way things are and that it would be dishonest, but it's actually very common in grand jury proceedings. And that's why a grand jury doesn't determine guilt. A grand jury only does either pass a true or a no true bill. A no true bill means says they don't have any confidence in the charges. A true bill says they do. And then that's uh allows the charges to move forward and actually be prosecuted. So that's what's taking place. And, and it's important also to note that the grand jurors themselves can ask questions. So sometimes grand juries will get a little more information than what the prosecutors wanted them to have because the grand jurors are able to ask questions. So if I'm hearing you correctly, Alvin Bragg didn't have to present that information that Robert Costello came in and presented. He could have only just, as he did, uh, Alvin Bragg, just present those six emails that proved his case, so to speak, so that he could move the grand jury to say, let's indict. Because their sole intent is to let the, to sway the grand jury for, to get an indictment. Is that right? That's correct. Okay. So had Robert Costello not gone there, that would have been okay. And we probably would have never heard about that exculpatory information unless it had gone to trial. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so, so when they say that you can indict a ham sandwich, I guess that's true. Yeah, because like that's you said, exactly. They're not, they're not looking for guilt. They're just saying, well, should we feel that this should move, this case should move forward. Now, is it necessary to have a grand jury? Can a DA just bring the charges himself? Okay, um, that's going to depend on a number of different things. And uh, it, sometimes it depends on the nature of the charges. Sometimes it depends on the jurisdiction. Um, in most cases, charges like this could be brought by what are known as a bill of information. And that's where the 
the prosecuting authority, in this case would be the district attorney's office, um, presses the charges through a bill, which is just a document that says, here's what the charges are and, and that's filed in court. And so, yes, I believe that in, uh, in New York, these charges could probably be uh, brought by bill of information without a grand jury. Okay. And now let's talk about the, uh, the witnesses. Michael Cohen is a convicted felon known to lie. Why would Alvin Bragg, a Harvard graduated, not that it matters, Harvard degreed attorney, rest his entire case or try to rest or prove this based upon what he's saying, knowing that this guy has spent time in jail and has lied before? I'm, well, I'm, I would think that as an attorney, he would know, okay, I know what this guy is going to say. And he's a reputable witness. But we see that he's not, and even with Stormy Daniels. So knowing that, and, and I'm again just getting your opinion, why do you think a lawyer or DA would proceed with such a weak witness? Well, there's a number of reasons for that. The first one is this is this is a political hatchet job in the first place. Aha. Uh-huh. Uh, the second is that uh, Michael Cohen is all they've got. Uh, well, I guess him and Stormy Daniels. And really, when you break it down to brass tacks, and you have to look at Michael Cohen, not only does Michael Cohen have you know the felony convictions in his past, but Michael Cohen steadfastly represented to see there were complaints filed with the Federal Election Commission over these payments, um, trying to get the Trump campaign uh, fined. And Michael Cohen represented to the Federal Election Commission that he had paid the, made the payment to Stormy Daniels himself, that Donald Trump had no knowledge of it, that Donald Trump didn't cooperate with it, didn't, didn't have anything to do with it. So not only is Michael Cohen a convicted felon who's, you know, it's going to be not, not difficult to be facile, just very easy for any lawyer defending President Trump to tie Michael Cohen in a knot over the lies that he's told. But not only just general lies he's told about everything you can think of, but specifically prior inconsistent statements that he has made about what is an issue in this investigation. So he's going to come in now. Cohen's going to come in and say, presumably, oh, Trump knew all about this and I coordinated with him. Well, that's diametrically opposed to what he said before. I don't think or I think I think a good argument could be made that it's not ethical for a lawyer to present that testimony because we're not as lawyers, we're not supposed to present testimony that we know to be untrue. And um, I know a lot of times when I talk to, to lay people, they, they don't realize that's the rule. You know, I'm not supposed to take a guy to court. If I know the guy I can't tell the truth. And I think that's the situation here. I, I just really don't believe that Michael Cohen is a, particularly in this context where he's made statements to other tribunals, to the press, to prosecutors about the topic at issue in this investigation. 
and said that Donald Trump didn't know anything about the payments and didn't coordinate them. So now he's going to say something completely different. I, I just don't believe that's ethical. No, right. It's not ethical. Can charges be brought against Bragg? Could the National uh, Lawyers Association look at this and say, wait a minute, this guy is damaging the profession. We need to we need to rein him in because you saw we saw that happening on the right quite a bit when they would call in different attorneys that were associated with Trump. Look at Giuliani and we're going to take away his law license and we're going to look at this because the representation that he's done. Can the National Lawyers Association do this, or does a someone in the field of law has to raise those questions and then present it and say, we need to look at what he has done, because he has made a mockery of the justice system through his office? Yeah, um, the way lawyers are governed ethically is primarily through their state association. So um the the effort as you described about attacking Rudy Giuliani's uh law license was uh, before the state disciplinary authorities in the state of New York so if a lawyer has for instance in this case if uh if someone felt like Alvin Bragg or his office or whoever's in charge of this investigation in his office had gone too far had presented knowingly false testimony um, and things of that nature, then any interested party could file a complaint with the state legal disciplinary authorities. Every state that that entity has a little different name uh, off the top of my head. I don't remember what they call the disciplinary body that oversees lawyers in the state of New York. In Louisiana, where I practice, it's the attorney disciplinary board. That's a very common name um, that's used in many states. So that's what would happen. Someone would have to come in and file a complaint and say this this is unethical, and then the state uh, disciplinary board could look at it. And does that person have to be in the legal profession, or could it just be any Joe Doe or Jane Doe to make that complaint? Well, in most states, anyone can make a complaint. Uh, I have to tell you, I honestly don't know off the top of my head if there's a limitation on that in the state of New York. Um, not to my knowledge, but but like, for instance, in Louisiana, any member of the public could go file a bar complaint against any lawyer. OK, well, maybe I need to go and file a bar complaint against D.A. Bragg because it doesn't seem as though yeah. anyone else is going to do it. They're just looking at this. And this is a miscarriage of justice. What this guy's doing using taxpayer money to go after a former president. It has never happened before. And look at the precedent that's being set. Now, I wanted to pick that up on the other side of the break, the precedent that's being set in what Bragg is doing. Take it away, Andrew. You're tuned into After Dark with Robin Andrew, which is available on America Out Loud's iHeartRadio channel Monday through Friday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 9 p.m central or 7 p.m. on the west coast we'll be back with more after dark with robin andrew and guest attorney randy street 
trouble getting to sleep and staying asleep is infuriating. Your mind races, you toss and turn, and the harder you try, the harder it is to drift off. And today's fast-paced digital age makes it tougher. You're not alone. Poor sleep affects over 70% of us. The CDC even labeled insufficient sleep a public health epidemic. Advanced nutrition company, Healthy Cell, created REM sleep to help you quickly fall asleep, stay asleep, sleep deep, and wake refreshed. Unlike other supplements that don't work, REM sleep is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients, supporting all four stages of sleep using calming herbs, amino acids, and sleep hormone support. Over a thousand reviews with an average star rating of over 4.4 proves it works. Take back your sleep. Go to HealthyCell.com and use limited time code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back. Guaranteed. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. HealthyCell.com. Code OUTLOUD. America OUTLOUD beats to the pulse of our nation. We know when you're angry, you're troubled, confused, glad, and thankful. Well, we know you because we are you. AmericaOutloud.com. Join us as we explore the most important issues of our time. America Out Loud Talk Radio. The liberty and justice for all. So we're at the last half of the show. I can't believe it. We've covered so much. But when you're dealing with a case like this, a situation like this, I mean, there's so much to talk about. There's so many angles. And we want to make certain that we get it out there to you so that you're informed. All the more reason why we brought on an attorney who's licensed in Louisiana. But my gosh, Andrew, uh, Randy knows New York law. <laughs> he's, he's good. <laughs> I don't know if he researched it before he came on, but this is great. So my uh, the, the question that I have before we went to break is the precedent that's being set here and what DA Bragg is doing. We know that lawyers don't like to set precedents or judges don't like to rule in a way that there is a precedent that's set because then other cases that come behind it, they're going to refer to that precedent. So if Bragg is like, I don't care, I'm going to move forward because I want to hopscotch my way and I want to keep my campaign promise and I want to make the Democrats happy and we've got to stop Trump, which is what the Democrats did when they impeached Trump not once but twice. So in my opinion, you can't be president unless you've been impeached because they have lowered the bar such that anyone who comes in, if you sneeze the wrong way, we're going to impeach you. And just think about how they were able to get away with that. And they even had some rhinos to take their side with the impeachment. And I believe right now, uh, Andrew and Randy, that there is probably some rhinos right now that are watching this and they're crossing their fingers and they're hoping that there is a perp walk with Trump. They want that to take place. No, they're not saying anything about it, but secretly they're wishing that to happen. So two things I want to put out there. I want to talk about the precedent and perp walks. Why is it in the States we perp walk individuals that have been charged with the crime? What if later on they're acquitted? What if we find out that this didn't happen? The same thing with Trump. We perp walk him. I, I, I do believe secretly that he's okay with that because he's going to use it for his, his advantage. And only Trump could do that. You know, use him being arrested, handcuffed, 
mugshot to his advantage because he will have the news cycle focused on him. But aside from that, why do we perp walk individuals and they haven't been found guilty? So it's two things I want you to weigh in on, Randy, the precedent, and why do we perp walk individuals? Take it away, Randy. All right. Um, well, first, I'll address the, the perp walk first. Uh, that kind of developed over time. You know, a, a person that's charged with a crime has to be processed. And there's a there's a process you have to go through where the charges are presented to the person and are explained to the person. And the person has to have the opportunity to, uh, you know, plead guilty or not guilty. And that's all through a process that's called arraignment. So perp walking really developed out of the constitutional right a person has to be confronted with the charges against him and have the opportunity to have it explained to him, told that he's got the right to counsel and all those sorts of things and decide if he wants to have a speedy trial or all of that. And what happened was, and in the vast majority of cases, people are arrested and nobody finds out about it. You know, I mean, in my hometown, there's a little newspaper that that's printed up on a weekly basis and they show everybody's mugshot. But that's a you know thing that's happened in the last decade or so. But what happened was the media figured out that people who are going to be charged with crimes are being arrested. And in many cases, law enforcement or prosecutors will leak to friendly media outlets that uh, you know they're either executing a warrant if it's something sensational or that a high profile target's been apprehended and then the media descends on it like vultures and that's really where perp walking came from and and it's kind of morphed in big cases to being like when Steve Bannon uh, presented in New York to surrender and he had to run a gauntlet of you know 150 uh, people with cameras from different media outlets and so what the way that's happened is really just the bastardization of a constitutional process, frankly. It's uh, it's unfortunate, and a lot of it's done um, to be hyperbolic and sensational. Now, on the precedent part, that's that's the real danger here. Uh, you know, the perp walk problem that you described has been around for a while. Um, what we have in the Trump era, in my opinion, is a weaponization of law enforcement and a weapon, weaponization of law enforcement agencies, all the way from municipal agencies, such as the Manhattan DA's office, like we're talking about here, all the way to the halls of the United States Department of Justice. And uh, it's weaponized against political opposition, I think, in a manner um, unlike any time in this nation's history. And that's the real precedent. Right now, as I sit here and we discuss this, we've got this municipal prosecution or potential prosecution with this grand jury investigation going on in the state of New York or in New York City. We also have the Fulton County District Attorney, if uh, you've kept up with that, in Fulton County, Georgia, with that utterly bogus county investigation into the federal presidential election results in, uh, in Georgia. So that's two county municipal attorneys who are investigating not just President Trump, but it goes beyond that. But it's targeted at President Trump and his campaign and the Republican Party in general. And then we have a host also of federal investigations. You had the investigation in the Southern District of New York that did not result in the prosecution of President Trump because there was no campaign finance violation. They analyzed all of that back whenever Cohen uh, pleaded guilty you know, back then. But then you had the investigation into the inaugural committee, the Trump inaugural committee. You had the investigation into the emoluments clause. You had you had the investigation uh, into the completely bogus Russia collusion. That one lasted two and a half years. 
and goes on to this day, really. Uh, I guess the investigation's over, but but the ramifications of it linger. Um, and there's more. So that's the precedent is uh, just the weaponization of law enforcement against political opposition. Yeah, we've seen that. And to shift gears just slightly, um, we've seen this the past couple of years with these January 6 protesters. We know that um, President Trump urged people to protest after it came out that he was going to get arrested. But as an attorney, uh, what are your thoughts on people going out to protest? Would you be worried about possibly a setup, um, being arrested on some bogus charges like a lot of these January 6 protesters. I think that's why we haven't seen uh, more protests so far. What are your thoughts, Randy? Yeah, absolutely. You hit the nail on the head there. Back whenever the January 6 protests were being organized, um, I actually counseled a number of people not to go. And people that I knew that, you know, were wanted to support the president. And I said, hey, look, there's a lot of ways to support the president. And I'm 100 percent behind you. But I, but I told everybody, do not go to Washington, D.C. on January 6th. It's it's going to be riddled with feds and and uh, undercover federal agents and confidential informants and Antifa and leftists. And they're going to set everybody up. And it's exactly what happened. Um, yeah, I would expect a repeat of that uh, in the event that President Trump were um, actually charged in New York. But I will say this, though, it, it, and, and I would encourage everybody. I, look, you have a right to freedom of assembly in this country. It's guaranteed in the Constitution, OK, or in the First Amendment. So, you know, I believe in that. I've exercised the right to free assembly and free speech. I'm, and we're exercising our free speech rights right now. But <clears throat> there are places, there are times and places to do that. The bottom line is, is that conservative, Republican, patriotic Americans are not going to get the kind of leeway in the city of New York that leftist, radical, extremist, Antifa, fascist types get. We're not going to be able to turn cars over and do all of that. And 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 then have the government pay us like they're doing paying the BLM protesters this week. So I would encourage everybody not to do that. I think the ultimately it would it would be uh, counterproductive. There are plenty of ways to let your displeasure to be known, and everybody needs to do that. But I wouldn't I wouldn't take to the streets in New York City. I agree with you 100%. And I've been saying that all along. I sat that on a show the other night that this is basically another setup for those supporters of Trump because we know what will happen. I was reading the other day, they were saying that there were only like 10 people out supporting Trump, whereby there were more people who didn't support Trump. They were out at Federal Plaza. I'm like, it's, this is this is designed to get you upset, to make you think that, oh, no one supports Trump. They did the same thing on the inauguration. No one was there to see him sworn in. We know it was a big lie, smoke screens and mirrors. They want to get you riled up so that they can storm in and arrest you, put you away, and we'll never hear from you again. Look at what happened to the protesters on Jan 6. A lot of them are still in jail have not seen their families. Why is that? If you want to help out, send money so that those guys can have legal representation or secure legal representation. But to come here to New York City and I'm going to tear it all down, they want you to do that so that that will give them more ammunition to go after Trump. So I too would advise you against it. There are other ways that you can show your displeasure. One of the ways is to take this podcast and share it with your friends, associates, or whomever, or just play it so that people will hear it. Now, another thing that I want to bring up, how can we stop Alvin Bragg? Is there anyone who could fire him? I think our governor can fire him, but she won't do it because she's afraid of her own shadows. 
So that scares me when you have people like Bragg in charge and you can't do anything about it. There are states in their, uh, I think their state constitution whereby you can recall DAs. And I think California tried to recall Gavin Gascon and for some reason they were unsuccessful. And I think that if we were to try to recall Alvin Bragg, we too would be unsuccessful. Although you look around you and you see all the crime that's taken place. Is this what you want? Surely not. We, we want law and order. But with this guy, we don't have it. So short of the governor firing him and us going to the polls, there's pretty much nothing we could do about this senseless charge that Bragg is trying to bring to a former president of the United States who does nothing but love this country. We just have to sit and watch and watch it play itself out. Do you two think that Trump, in a way, wants this to happen, wants to be arrested? As I said, because this will garner him more attention. It will strengthen him. It will give him more more wind behind his back. What are your thoughts on it? Um, yeah, I could I could only speculate. I, I would tend to think not. Uh, that's some that's some bad press. But, you know, there's an old saying that that there's no such thing as bad press. But um, I think that that President Trump's going to get a lot of mileage just out of uh, the fact this investigation is taking place. In fact, I think that he'll actually look better and look stronger if 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 the the effort to indict him collapses and it doesn't actually happen. But that's just uh, that's just my opinion. So I've, I've wondered about this because this will definitely give him a lot of momentum. And remember, it was a week ago right. or so ago that he came out and he said that I'm going to be indicted, that they're coming after me. What do you yeah. say, Andrew? Yeah, I sent you some clips earlier. A lot of people uh, that are diehard Trump supporters are really turning on some of the Republicans that aren't standing up for President Trump, particularly uh, Ron DeSantis. So it seems like um, perhaps he's uh, ruining some of the popularity that he had um, by not coming to defense of President Trump if they were going to go head to head. So it'll be interesting to see how this plays out with the uh, midterm elections for sure and see if Republicans actually try and use this against President Trump. Well, I mean, I've said all along that I think, I mean, because we've gotten to this point, we know that Trump can govern. I think that he lacks the discipline at times. I think that he has got to use a different playbook than he used in 2016. That's just my opinion. Maybe what he's doing is going to work. I'm fearful of that because I do think that a lot of people have, they've been turned off by it. And he has got to get Democrats to support him also as what will at least the independents. And do not doubt that the left machine of trickery and chicanery, oh, they will be up to their same tricks again. They will try to steal the election again and again and again. If Biden decides to run an old decrepit man and who we need to have a cognitive test done on, he will try to run again. And they will try to bolst him up and put him back into office, regardless of Trump running, regardless of whoever's going to run. They will try to run him if he decides to run, unless, of course, what's coming out about the Biden family cabal. If Republicans are able to stay the course and really get this out there, because we know the media is not going to cover it, they're going to try to, if anything, cover it up. 
if we can get a few Democrats to say, no, we need to really look at this, because here is the true crime in the Biden family. That's the only way I think that we would definitely be able to stop Biden. Other than that, Andrew and Randy, I think that this guy will try to run again, and I think that they will try to steal the election for him again. What do you two say in the last couple of minutes of the show? Yeah, absolutely. If Joe Biden had any integrity at all, he could have made this all go away, but we know that's not the case. So uh, I think he will run again, and I think they're already scheming how they can try and steal the election again. Randy, what are your thoughts? Well, I'll tell you, uh, gentlemen, I think that uh, the Democrats got a good taste of how to win in 2020 using their mail-in ballots and their ballot harvesting and their phony voter registrations and uh, I, you know, this dim, I call it the dim fraud machine on steroids. Uh, it's not going to go away whether, whether Joe Biden's the nominee or not, unless uh, states crack down on election integrity and stop it. So, and there's efforts going on all over the country to do that right now. And, uh, and they're going to be more successful in some places than others. But I can assure you that the people who stole the 2020 election worked hard to steal as many as they could during the midterms this uh, last year. And they're going to work in 2024, in 2026, in 2028, and indefinitely into the future until they are stopped. That's my opinion. Yeah, very well said. Thank you all for tuning in to After Dark with Rob and Andrew. Thank you to Daniel Street, Randy Street for joining us. Uh, Randy, where can they go to uh, buy your books? Yeah, thank you very much. And thanks for having me on again, gentlemen. Uh, my books are for sale at Amazon. It's uh, Fake News Exposed About Trump, Volumes 1, 2, and 3. And, and you can follow me and everything I'm doing at my website, which is DanielRStreet.com. And Rob and I are here with you Monday through Friday on After Dark with Rob and Andrew on America Out Loud, which is available on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Stitcher, Pandora, wherever you stream. Please like, subscribe, leave us a five-star review, or go to AmericaOutloud.com where you can find the full archive of podcasts or go to the Listen Live tab for 24-7 talk radio. We'll see you guys next time. And remember, stand for something or fall for nothing.